Magazines and Monsters, episode 46, Brides of Dracula from 1960. Listen to the beat of your heart, Marianne. You hear the beat of fear within you? Fear that will rise to a shattering crescendo of terror. You have strayed into a world of evil, where frightened people are held in the grip of unearthly horror. Beware of pity for the handsome prisoner in the Castle Meister. Beware of love, for in your heart is only the pulsating throb of terror. Starring Peter Cushing, as the doctor locked in mortal combat with overwhelming evil. Also starring Frida Jackson as Greta, who served the vampires with insane loyalty. <laughs> you needn't be afraid, she's dead. Martita Hunt, the Baroness, victim of her own son. Beautifully, Von Molore, France's latest sex kitten, as Marianne whose beauty was her passport to the twilight world of the undead. <laughs> David Peel as the Baron, blindingly handsome, yet his kiss transformed the most beautiful girls into monsters. Hey everybody, Billy D, aka Doc Strange, back here with another recording, and this one is going to be a blast. It is another Hammer film, and it's one of my favorite Hammer films, and it's also the one of the favorite Hammer films and favorite uh, actors of myself and my guest. So please welcome to the show, Jerry from the Professor Frenzy Show. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great, Billy. How you doing? I am doing fantastic, and I have seen this movie probably... Uh, a couple hundred times. <laughs> a couple hundred. Yeah, that's about right. It never gets old. I love it. I will, as we talked off mic here a little bit uh, in the beginning, when I first uh, rang you up, I will put this movie on in the background sometimes when I am working on other things. It's like comfort food. You know what I mean? I can hear Cushing yeah, and I can hear the action and the great music. So it's it's comfort food for me. So what about you? Fantastic. Oh, this is absolutely one of my favorite hammers. Um, it's a vampire movie. Love vampire movies. It's a hammer. Love hammers. And there's something about this movie. And, you know, as we get into it, I'm sure we'll bring bring up some of the things that are really fantastic about it. Yeah. So Brides of Dracula from 1960. This is, uh, you know, the follow up to, you know, the 1958 Dracula or horror of Dracula. And, uh, you know, no Christopher Lee in this one, but we mm -hmm. do still have 
uh, a crazy vampire running around here and, you know, <laughs> Peter Cushing doing his thing once again, you know, he's back with the, the cross and the hammer and the stake doing his thing. So, you know, no fear. It's, you know, no Christopher Lee, but no fear here. It's, it's still a really, really good quality film. And I think it's the hammer's best. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. This is, again, this is one of my absolute favorite Hammer movies. You know, definitely top five Hammer for sure. Mm, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. This, again, Peter Cushing, I always yeah. gravitate either to this or Captain Clegg as well. Uh, that one, that one really floats my boat too, man. He's really good in that one. He's haven't he's, seen that in forever. Mm, yeah, that's top notch. I love yeah. that one. I saw yeah. the the Disney version of that story when I was a kid and I thought that was pretty good. But then when I first saw Hammer's version, I was like, oh, this is so much better because Peter Cushing is like the man. <laughs> definitely. He's definitely the man. All right. Well, we can kind of get into it here. We're going to talk a little bit about the, uh, you know, the behind the scenes, you know, the people behind the cameras and all that kind of stuff to uh, get rolling here. So how about we do that? Let's do it. All right. So, yeah. So right out of the gate here, you know, we have uh, let's just start with the big gun here. We have Terrence Fisher as the director, you know, and anybody that knows Hammer knows that name. Pretty much all of the classic, you know, big Hammer films that everybody thinks of when they think Hammer like that, you know, first thing that pops into their head. He's the director. I think he was their best director by a long shot. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, he's he's good. What do you think of him? Oh, absolutely. He's, you know, directed some of my favorite movies. So, you know, as soon as you see that his name on the, um, you know, in the opening credits here, you're like, ah, I'm in good hands. Yeah, he's he's the guy. I mean, there were some other good ones, too, you know, but mm -hmm. he's to me when you look at, you know, the, the early Dracula franchise, Frankenstein franchise, the mummy, this film, he was, you know, he was the guy he really knocked out of the park all these big hits for hammer early on and i think it shows because the other films you know it's not that they're not good but they do seem to be like a little bit of a step below some of those and i think that is partially due to him as well oh i totally agree with you i think you know there's something about the quality level the way that the actors are really committed to these roles i mean there's yvette mimu in this movie is really really good and i think that you know, is a lot about, the, you know, her her talent, of course, but she's very well directed in this movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And then screenplay. We've got a few different ple uh, people that have the uh, screenplay attached to them here because there was a couple of rewrites on this one. And we will get to that. Maybe part of that we'll save to the end because the end of this movie, you know, is not what the original end was supposed to be. And again, there's a reason for that. And there are some rewrites. And then that dovetails into another Hammer film that came out a couple of years later. So. We will get to that, too, but probably not till the end. But, uh, you know, Jimmy Sangster, another one of those names you see on a lot of the Hammer films as well. And mm -hmm. uh, Anthony Hines as well. Oh, and yeah. then uh, and then uh, Peter Bryan and Edward Percy. So two names you don't see on a ton of Hammer films, especially up on the big, uh, you know, the big letters. But, mm -hmm. you know, they were helping out with some rewrites for this one as well. And I think, you know, there's some uh, accounts that said even uh, Peter Cushing was uh, helping out here or there with some uh, comments and some recommendations on some of the uh some of the uh, way the movie should move. So that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, the guy had been around for a long time already at this point and had been doing oh, yeah. things, so stage and films and everything else. So he knew what he was doing. Yeah, for sure. And then producers, we get Anthony Hines once again, Anthony Nelson Keys, two of the big guns again for Hammer, and then Michael Carreras, which the Carreras family there was an old Hammer for quite some time there too. So mm -hmm. especially in its heyday. So that's why you see that name there. I guess, you know, your, your dad was, you know, in charge of things. You could be like, hey, do this. Okay, put his name in the credits. <laughs> 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 but yeah, so that kind of, you know, rounds out the, 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 the big names here. And then uh, 
as far as the cast goes, like we already said, Peter Cushing is Dr. Van Helsing. And he, to me, he's, he, he's my guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's my avatar on Twitter. He's, he's my <laughs> guy. So <laughs> what are your, what are your thoughts on him in this movie and overall? Uh, just unbelievable. I mean, he, the, the length of his career, you know, the number of unbelievable movies he's been in. And, you know, even you can show this to, to one of your one of your kids and they can go, hey, that's the guy from Star Wars. And you're like, no, mm-hmm. it isn't. It's the guy from Brides of Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny because, you know, you figure the vastly uh, a lot of the non-horror people, that's that's what they will gravitate towards yeah. right away. Yep, but, totally. <laughs> Yeah, to me, that was just like, yeah, he did that, too. But this was way <laughs> yeah, better. Was yeah, he was good, but this was way better. <laughs> but he did stare down Darth Vader. He's like, no, <laughs> you should have seen yeah. what I did to Dracula. <laughs> so yep. you don't want that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, yeah, he commanded that screen there, too. But, uh, yeah, this is Manhammer, and the horror movies are really where he excelled. I think he was he was great. Oh, unbelievable, yeah. And then we have his... Uh, one of the other uh, stars here, co-stars uh, Yvonne Munlar, who was Marianne Danielle, who was the uh, female lead in the movie here. And she kind of is what the movie revolves around as, you know, the movie starts with her and mm-hmm. you know, our, our, our vampire is like uh, chasing after her. And, you know, she's a, a big part of this movie. And uh, she was pretty young at the time. But, you know, I think she did, you know, pretty well, too. She did everything they asked of her. Yeah, I think so, too. I think, you know, she I think part of of this movie, you know, part of her character in this movie was to be a little naive. Right. Mm-hmm. And she, I think, pulled that off beautifully. I you know, she was aggressive, but in a silly, you know, as it turns out, in a silly way, she thought she was doing something helpful and good. And it turns out eh, maybe not so much. Releasing vampires is bad news. <laughs> yeah don't ever fall in love with a vampire either that's bad, bad don't news. don't do that yeah don't do that <laughs> and then we had uh, a couple of actresses you know a little more seasoned than her at the time uh martita hunt uh, she was baroness meinster and uh she's she's pretty good too she only makes it about one third of the way through the movie here we'll, we'll get to what happens but uh, <laughs> yeah. she's she's pretty darn good too she's uh, pretty imposing in the beginning of this film mm-hmm. yeah i thought she was very you know she kind of was presented at the beginning as like, is this the bad guy? And then I'm not sure whether she was or not, but she was definitely, you could see, you could look at her and go, oh yeah, I can see how she could be the big bad. Turns out she isn't, but in any event, she was mm-hmm. pretty impressive. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And then uh, Frida Jackson as Greta. Uh, she's oh. another one that, you know, she's been in a few different movies too. And uh, she had been around for quite some time at this point as well. And, uh, She's kind of like a, I think she's referred to as a, the son's, uh, the Baron's old nurse. But uh, yeah. she reminds me of more of a uh, <laughs> an accomplice to uh, shenanigans than she does uh, somebody's old nurse. We're going to have to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then last but not least, we have David Peel. And he was the Baron Meinster, the uh, stand in for Dracula. So like we said, there's not an actual Dracula in this film. It's a, uh, the Baron Meinster, but he's, uh, he's pretty wild too. He, he does a good job of, uh, you know, filling that role in this film. What do you think? Yeah, I think so too. I think that this role is a little different than a, you know, a regular Dracula would mm-hmm. be. Um, and I guess we'll get to it when we start talking about, about it, but I think he's good at portraying the character that is written in the script. Um, whether that's the, you know, I'm sure people wish it was Christopher Lee, 
And I think he, I've some of the criticisms of this movie that I've heard are, you know, basically come to, boil down to the fact that Christopher Lee is not in this movie and David Peel is not the same, you know, gravitas as Christopher Lee. And I, I totally get that, but that's not what this role, the goal of this role. And I mm -hmm. think he's very believable in this part. So, yeah, I thought he was good. Yeah, I thought he did an admirable job as well. That's mm -hmm. that's that's and we'll get into that a little bit heavier here, too. But there's two other names I must mention. Uh, Michael Ripper, the guy that did more Hammer films than anybody else. He's the coachman in the beginning. So it's just small bit part here, but it's hilarious. And I still love him. Uh, and you got to mention him. And then another guy that did a, a few Hammer films as well. And uh, <laughs> his part's kind of goofy, but I like him, too. Miles Mallison as yeah. a. Dr. Tobler. <laughs> he was great. <laughs> yeah, he's hilarious. He's hilarious in this film. I think, you know, we had mentioned uh, Hound of the Baskervilles, too, uh, maybe before we were even recording, but he was in that one. And he was a crazy oh, character in that so one, too. Good. <laughs> he's so, so funny. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's great at those parts. He's great at those parts. So, yeah. All right. Well, if you're ready here, I'm just going to do a quick little uh, synopsis here uh, from IMDb, and I will give the person credit. It is uh, credited to Mr. Jeremy Perkins. So thank you, Jeremy, for doing a little work for me here in these uh, this little short paragraph, because I realized uh, maybe about a year ago that spending a half hour or an hour like writing out my own synopsis to the movie and taking too long to read that, People probably either tune out or fall asleep because they don't really want to hear me read what the movie's about. They want to hear more of me and my guests talk about what the movie's about, like our favorite parts, you know. So I kind of thought, yeah, let's just make that a lot smaller of a segment here. So I'm just going to rattle through that quick and then uh, we can get into uh, our thoughts on the film, starting with the uh, the opening scene. What do you think? Sounds great to me. OK, so a young teacher on her way to a position in Transylvania helps a young man escape the shackles his mother has put on him. In so doing, she innocently unleashes the horrors of the undead once again on the populace, including those at her school for ladies. Luckily for some, Dr. Van Helsing is already on his way. And that's pretty good. That gets yeah. you, you know, that gets you nice. where you kind of start needing to go here. So, you know, uh, let's get into this. So I love this just might be, if this isn't a, my favorite Hammer film, I will say this is definitely my favorite Hammer opening. Oh, I'm so of, glad you uh, said that. Of any of their films, all you know, all we get is this you know eerie scene of like a forest and a little bit of fog, and then you hear a voice come over, and he talks about you know Transylvania and how creepy and eerie it is, <laughs> and then he does mention Dracula being dead. So there's a little bit of a tie into the 1958 film. And then he says, but basically, you know, Dracula might be dead, but his disciples live on. And then here we go with the, the great music here. And uh, we lead right into the uh, scene with our buddy Michael Ripper, right? Well, yeah. I mean, you get as you're going through the credits, you know, you see screenplay, Jimmy Sangster directed by Terrence Fisher. And you have a coach racing through the woods driven by Michael Ripper. How perfect. Is that? <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, yeah. you're in for a good time. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's a little, it's a little part. It's a very quick part, but yep. I do love his dialogue when <laughs> the carriage looks like it's doing 90 miles an hour through the forest. <laughs> All of a sudden, he's like, "Whoa!" Because there's something in the middle of the road, and I oh. love his dialogue. There, <laughs> his dialogue is hilarious. He goes, "Mother of God, it's a corpse." <laughs> he thinks there's a dead. <laughs> It's, it's a dead body. It's not a corpse. Room, but it is not a corpse. He walks up and it's just a big log in the middle of the road. And he goes, 
Oh, I thought you were a dead end. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Ripper. Unbelievable. Yeah, he's the man, too. He's like, yeah, again, he's oh, yeah. been in more Hammer films than anybody. And sometimes his parts are very small like this one. Other times they're a bit more involved, which I love, too. But it's, again, it's like, a, a, to not use the phrase again, it's like a comfort food thing, man. When you yeah. see Michael Ripper, you know it's going to be a good film. And yep. you know it's going to be a good part, and it's going to have a little bit of that humor or some quirkiness to it that only he could add. Definitely. Yeah, so that's awesome. So, yeah, so <laughs> we see, though, this log in the road, I think, was placed there by some creep in the forest. So what yeah. about that guy? <laughs> yeah, so, right, this guy, you know, um, uh, Marianne kind of pokes her head out of the of the coach and's like, hurry up or whatever. <laughs> you know, my group is like, give me a break. Mm -hmm. And the guy in the woods, I guess, sees her and goes, aha, I got one. Right. Because mm -hmm. this is all about picking up chicks and taking them to the castle. So, mm -hmm. yeah, so it's, we know he, we've got one. He was uncredited in this movie. The guy's name is Michael Mulcaster. And he's just the, the man in black. But yeah, okay. he was he wasn't even credited. But again, his his parts, you know, about the size of rippers at this point. And I don't know that he did any other Hammer films either. So maybe that's why they're just like, ah, we don't even need to say who that guy yeah. is. <laughs> and he disappears pretty quickly. I think he's in the first five minutes or so. And that's it. Right. I don't yeah, think he comes back. No, no, because then, you know, once Ripper moves the log out of the way, the, the coach takes off again and he jumps on the back of it, kind of yeah. like, you know, kids used to do years ago with their skateboard. They'd grab the back of a car <laughs> and get a free ride. That's what this guy does. And he hangs on. And then as soon as they get to the little village, he hops off and kind of ducks into a, a shadowy corner. And we see uh, Marianne as she goes into the uh, inn to get mm -hmm. some food. And Ripper uh, is getting a drink out of his flask and... Uh, I imagine this routine has happened before several times. Mm -hmm. uh, this man in black comes over and uh, throws a few uh, coins at Ripper. And uh, we then find out a few minutes later it's to leave the girl there so she'll get stranded. And then I'm thinking, yep. OK, you know, the first time I see this movie, I'm thinking, OK, what's the point of that? Like, because, mm -hmm. you know, OK, yeah, she got left at the inn, but, you know, the inn will probably let her stay there. And the next day she can go to where she's going, which is to a ladies school out in the mountains and she is going to teach French and something else. I can't remember what else she says she's going to teach, but maybe it's like etiquette or something like that yeah. to some young ladies. Um, and, uh, you know, she kind of gets stranded there and she's like, Oh, I guess I have to stay here. And mm -hmm. the, the innkeeper's like, uh, no, we don't have any room here. Cause he mm -hmm. knows what's going on. Cause this has happened before. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I'm going to want to come back to that later <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, at first they're, they're, you know, we've seen Dracula, you know, vampire movies before, right? Even, mm -hmm. you know, 1931 Dracula. And yeah. when they, when Renfield goes to the town and kind of the people realize what's going on, they're terrified. And this is, has a similar setup to that, right? You, you know, she's there and people are all of a sudden scared for her. Mm -hmm. And you're like, why? But, you know, we as the audience go, oh, well, we bought tickets to a vampire movie. So they're afraid <laughs> of the vampires. <laughs> no, <laughs> don't think that's what they're afraid of. And we'll come back to that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I forgot to mention as she starts, you know, getting ready to sit down and eat her meal, that creepy guy that paid off Ripper, mm -hmm. the coachman to leave, comes walking into the inn and just stands there all creepy yeah. staring at her. Yeah. And like we said, you know, this I'm sure has happened before. Mm -hmm. uh, so everybody kind of clears out when he walks out. And she's looking around like, who was that creeper? And, you know, here we go. And then it's, uh, oh, the coach left without me. And, you know, uh, the 
the woman, the, the wife of the innkeeper, she kind of says, hey, go to the farm over there and go get their cart and we mm-hmm. can get this uh, chick out of here before something bad happens. And, you know, Mary Ann's like, what do you mean? Like something's going to happen. And they're like, oh, don't worry. We just need to get you where you're going because we don't have any room here. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, I love this. Oh, here's a plate of food. Literally the food <laughs> hits the table and Johan comes back in and says, okay, I have the cart. Come on, let's get out of here. It's like, Geez, she was on a how long of a coach ride and didn't get a chance to eat anything. She didn't even go to the ladies' room. <laughs> yeah. this, was, this was written by a guy that's not married. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And there was no potty on the yeah. coach. I guarantee you that, man. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so then all of a sudden they hear another coach coming. And Marianne's like, oh, is that the coach returning? And the guy locks the door as if yeah. this is this is not good. What's about to happen? So what about that? What do you make of that scene when they say, you know, don't open it. Yeah, they've got to open it and they know it. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's 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 a really tense scene. And you know that the guy is trying to save uh, Marianne, but um, he has no no way to do it. He's, he no. has to open that door. Yeah. So in then walks uh, the Baroness Meinster and she's dressed to the nines in these very expensive looking clothes. Mm-hmm. And she sits down. And says, hey, uh, come on over here and have a drink with me. And they drink some really expensive wine and get to know each other for a second or two. And uh, Marianne, you know, mentions that, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I need to go to this school mm-hmm. and I, I can't get there tonight um, and I have nowhere to stay. And then the innkeeper's wife is like, oh, uh, we, we do have a room if you want one. And the Baroness kind of gives her a look like, how dare you? And she just backs off and kind of slinks away. <laughs> I do like that scene. That's pretty creepy. Yeah, that that whole I just absolutely love that end scene. It's so mm-hmm. there's so much going on um, that Marianne knows and doesn't know, and we as the audience are just like we're all of a sudden you're involved in this movie. You know, it's like mm-hmm. ugh, it's got you. Yeah, I'll tell anybody out there if you're not real big on Hammer or haven't seen any Hammer yet. Pub scenes are regular in Hammer films, sometimes multiple times, and they're usually always excellent scenes of the movie, either for humor or mystery or something like this, or even just, you know, a regular scene of two people talking about something, you know, that's going to happen, some foreshadowing or something like that. The the pub scenes in Hammer films are always some of the best. Yeah, the best. Yeah. And and I I call them um, the tavern of fortuitous events, right? (laughs) Yes. Whenever they don't know what to do next, they go to the go to the inn and you know, they get a, they get a, a side quest that turns out to be the regular quest. Mm-hmm. So then, yeah, Baroness Meinster is like, hey, so you could just come and stay at my, you know, big old house in the hills, you know, uh, my chateau. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they do. They take off in her coach and they go to the chateau and. That's when we meet uh, Frida Jackson's character, Greta, who seems like a servant. And, um, you know, she says, hey, you know, we're going to have dinner. You know, can you be ready in 10 minutes? And takes her upstairs to this real fancy, nice room. And she's like, "Okay, sure. No problem. And she goes out into the balcony and she sees a guy uh, on one of the other lower floors. And he's out on like another balcony. And she's like, huh, wonder who that guy is. Mm. And then uh, we get to the dinner scene and. (laughs) Uh, the Baroness isn't eating anything. And she's yeah. like, oh, uh, you know, didn't you, uh, aren't you going to eat anything? And she's like, I have very little appetite. Mm. And sh- she does look, at that point, I'm thinking to myself, is that because she's a vampire? That kind of yep. threw me off a little bit. Yeah, yeah, me too. And uh, there was a lot, 
there's a lot going on here. Um, when she was being brought, when Marianne was being brought to her room by the Baroness, they were going up and he, she's like, oh, you're, she saw the dinner table. Marianne saw the dinner table and said, oh, mm-hmm. you're already expecting someone because there were two um, places set. Mm-hmm. And the Baroness says, uh, oh, I always have a second place set in, in case someone comes. And then Marianne says, I have come, yes. And mm-hmm. the Baroness says, we'll see. <laughs> and that's funny too because uh, that a place extra place settings or something yeah. like that comes up in another uh, Hammer Dracula franchise <laughs> film a little bit down the road too which is cool so yep. uh, that's really cool I like that so yeah so they you know have their little dinner and she's like hey so I think I saw a young man and she's like you know you did that's my son mm-hmm. and she paints a picture that her son is kind of locked up in his own part of the chateau because he's and i'm trying to think of how, what words she uses she uses her words very carefully here to describe why he is you know not you know allowed away from that uh, part of the chateau and at one point she even says the two of us pray for death and marianne's like what like she has no clue like what is going on here again yeah. more great dialogue here good scene really really well written great you you nailed it great dialogue you know, God bless you. If only he could, you know, all that stuff. It's good stuff. Mm-hmm. And then it's uh, nighttime. So, you know, Marianne goes uh, up to her room and starts to get changed and again goes out onto her balcony and sees this young man again. And now he's not just on the balcony, but he's kind of like on the railing mm-hmm. looking over the edge. And she thinks he's going to jump. And she's, you know, yells to him, no, don't jump. You know, don't do that. And uh, at that point, she thinks, you know, it's this guy and he's like suicidal. So, she goes booking down the stairs into the area where he's kind of, you know, penned up and yep. uh, she goes in his room and she can tell she's like concerned about him. But there's a point where they're maybe about, I don't know, six or eight feet apart. And he asks her to come closer and she's very hesitant to. And he's a very good looking young man. And obviously she sees him and she's attracted to him, but she's a little hesitant to come close to him. You know, because it's like, hey, you're in this strange chateau. You're in a strange country. You don't know what's going on here yet. But he kind of looks at her and says, can you come closer? He's like, because I can't come closer to you. And he looks down at his ankle and he's got like a a house arrest ankle bracelet and chain on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's crazy. Yeah. And you're like, what? You know, when when the Baroness was talking about her son, you know, she was you knew something was up and uh, with him and mm-hmm. uh you know you're still not a hundred percent clear on what's going on in this house you know is the baroness mm-hmm. a vampire she didn't eat well you know is he a vampire what's you know why is he locked up it all comes clear yeah it's the and again sometimes when movies are a little ambiguous or vague at certain points and you have to draw your own conclusions mm-hmm. and if it doesn't end up you know, coming to fruition the way you thought it would. Sometimes that can be a little bit of a turnoff, but I don't think they were really going for that here. I think they were yeah. just being a little vague because they didn't want to kind of, you know, reveal just quite yet what was going on here. And yeah. I think that's great. I really think they they drug that out, you know, to a great point in the movie and then let you know what was going on. It was it was really, really good timing. Yeah, I agree. And and um you know, David Peel here, he's got kind of a he's he's smiling and he's friendly and he's a good looking guy and, and not a good looking guy in an intimidating way. He's almost like a little pretty, 
right? Mm-hmm. He's, yeah. He's got you know kind of long flowing hair, but there's this low key menace that he has through his smile that really works for me. So I thought he was, I thought he did a really good job here. Yeah, for sure. And you know, he kind of puts on the, the routine to get her to start and feel sorry for him too, that he's locked up. Like, you know, my mother's like this wicked woman because she doesn't want me to inherit you know, this chateau, the grounds, like everything, because, you know, I guess his father's dead. And technically, you know, back then it, it would have kind of went to the son, mm-hmm. especially, I guess, uh, probably even as a youth, let alone when he was an adult. So he does spin that pretty good there. And she, you know, takes it hook, line and sinker. And he says, hey, he's like, you know, can you help me out here? <laughs> and she's just like, <laughs> yeah, sure. And he's like, my mother has a key and it's locked up in her dresser. So he uh, cons uh, Marianne into, you know, hey, go get that key and let me out of here. and We'll run off together. And I'm like, man, Marianne's kind of a wild child. I like she her. Is. <laughs> <laughs> she is. She just met not, a guy. Yeah, she's like, she's not go. messing around. Marianne. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> so and again, she's a very attractive lady, too. Um, oh, yeah. I had a chance to meet her before she passed away. Her. Oh, you did. Yeah, and sadly, Veronica Carlson as well. So in 2013, I went to Monster Bash uh, up in Pittsburgh area. And a great show, and it was a hammer show. So all the hammer girls were there. And I can tell you, I was still, you know, they're obviously at that point, you know, some of them are still with us and a couple are not. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that was, you know, nine years ago, eight eight years ago, nine years ago, something like that. They were, they're obviously much older ladies than me. But I was still so like intimidated by them <laughs> with they were just they had a presence about them. They're still very attractive, too. Yeah, yeah. So I had brought a DVD. I was going to get them to sign and I, I could do it. I was like real sheepish. <laughs> and I'll never forget. My wife is like, just go over there. You wuss like she was like <laughs> she was like busted on me about it. Rightly so. I should have just went over there. And again, I thought. Oh, I'll go to another show and this and that. And I'll, I'll see this one now. Yeah, yeah, now Yvonne Malar, she passed away, I think, well, at least yeah. three or four years ago at this point. Now, just earlier this year, you know, only a couple of months ago, uh, Veronica Carlson, who's my favorite hammer girl, passed away, great. which, yeah, so that kind of sucks. But, yeah, I, I could have met her, too. I'm like, oh, you <sighs> dummy. Oh, man. So oh, well. oppor- opportunities missed. I'm not a Marianne. You know, she was a wild child. She'd oh, yeah, she would have right up. Yeah, Mary Ann right up, there. right up to Von Mundarn. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So now at this point, we do see there's a little bit of intrigue here because Mary Ann's trying to sneak around the house and not let uh, the Baroness see her doing it. She sneaks mm-hmm. into her room and grabs the key, but then she hears the Baroness coming, so she ducks out onto the uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> onto the balcony and is hiding out there. But then sneaks her way back down and lets yeah. him out. But- and she- one Go thing ahead. I want to point out here is that mm-hmm. the Baroness first goes to Marianne's room, not yes. to her room. She goes to Marianne's room looking for her mm-hmm. and kind of leans up against the poster, you know, the, the post of the bed mm-hmm. and realizes she's not there and yeah. then goes next door to her room next door to uh, ultimately look for her. Mm hmm. Yes, yes. Cause, and it's funny too. Like, we can get into it later too. It's like, so what was really going on here? Like, yeah. obviously, obviously, she wanted to kind of uh, lure her down to where her son was, but not let him get loose. But he does get loose. And <laughs> I do love that scene where, you know, she confronts Marianne about the key and Marianne runs away from her after she's already given the key to the Baron and he lets himself out. And she runs down to him and kind of jumps in his arms. And he's like, don't worry, I'll take care of her. And he calls to his mother. 
and she tries to like turn her back to him. But you know, I guess you know sometimes vampires are played like you you have to have like eye to eye contact to be able yeah. to like en- entrance them. But he just calls out to her again, and I don't know if it's just that out of fear she comes walking down, or he's already starting to kind of entrance her a little bit. But she comes walking down, and he says to Marianne, "Go up and uh, pack your things. We're going to be heading out soon." And you see him and the mother walk away, and you know that's not going to end well. No, no, it's not, and it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it most certainly does not. But I, I do love how, you know, Marianne. I don't know if she's taking her good old time packing or what happens, but in the meantime, the Baron he takes off, yeah. and then Marianne comes downstairs. And she hears somebody being kind of hysterical and she creeps around and she goes in and she sees there's Greta and she's mm-hmm. kind of like half laughing, half going insane. And I so love good. this. Yeah. Frida Jackson, man. She's like going wild. And Marianne's like, what is wrong with you? You know, you're yeah. going nuts. And she's like, did you let him out? You know, oh, she does actually kind of act like she's upset, but you know, she's like, did you let him out? And he's this and he's that. And, and she kind of, yeah, she's laughing you know? yeah yeah and yeah. she she kind of takes off because she's like this lady's a nut yeah. and she just takes off out into the forest but not before greta says oh the baroness is here would you like to see her and she takes her into the next room and points her out and there she is dead Ugh, brutal and i think she thinks greta probably killed her because she's going nuts yeah yeah maybe but <laughs> the but greta does give a little bit of backstory about um you know, how, oh, yeah. how the Baron came to be like this. And I thought it was very interesting. And I, I, I think it's kind of plays into some of what may be going on up to this place, you know, talking about, you know, when he was, when the Baron was young, um, the Baroness encouraged some deviant behavior and mm-hmm. they aren't, they aren't too detailed, but there's definitely, you know, some kind of sexual stuff going on in this mm-hmm. place. Oh, and yeah. one of the, um, you know, one of the things that they're, they're pr- presumably is that they get now what they're doing is they're getting girls here and they're keeping them there for their blood and they're, you know, bleeding them until I guess they can't bleed them anymore. I guess that's what's happening here. Mm-hmm. But, you know, prior to that, you know, when, before he was a vampire, uh, there is definitely some shenanigans going on in this house <laughs> and how involved the Baroness it was is left very vague. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I, I think this kind of points back to some, you know, talking a little more about what people were afraid of in the town when, you know, when they were having dinner, the Baroness said that, oh, everybody thinks my son is dead, but mm-hmm. he's not. So then what were the people afraid of in the town? Because they knew that the Baroness comes down and gets women and mm-hmm. brings them up to the castle. Mm-hmm. But they, I don't know that they know about the vampire. I mean, is I, I feel that there's, especially with the Baroness and with, um, with Marianne, I think there's definitely a kind of a, you know, a, a little bit of a lesbian subplot here where it's not happening, but I think, you know, this is a 1960s movie and, you know, people are like, um, oh, that would be, oh, that would be terrible. That would be bad, you know? And mm-hmm. in in a sense, in my, you know, multiple watchings of this movie, that's kind of what I'm thinking that people in the town are afraid of, that 
this is, oh, the Baroness is going to come here and, you know, pick up some chicks. So Yeah, could. Well, yeah, absolutely. That could be, too. And then I thought to myself, too, like, they see her coming to pick up these girls. Mm-hmm. But then if the girls are never seen from again, what yeah. do they think she's doing to them up there? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you really, this is, that's one of those things that, you know, they just kind of hammer. Sometimes, you know, even if it's just very, it's not overt. Yeah, but sometimes no, it it, it, it's very subtle or there's some subtext there where mm-hmm. they were trying to push some envelopes. Uh, I think even that far back yeah. uh, about certain subjects, because, you know, like you said, what was the Baroness picking these girls up or yeah. what, since they weren't ever seen from again, what is what do they think there's she's doing to them, like eventually yeah. killing them or like what is going on? Like, he, again, they didn't know about the Baron being yeah. a vampire. If he was locked up since he was a vampire, like how would they know? So. Yeah. yeah, some really, really good stuff here. And um, I do love how, you know, the Baron takes off and then Marianne, like I said, she takes off and runs out into the forest. And then, you know, next scene is we see another coach coming through the forest Uh-oh. and it's a, it's our boy, Peter Cushing. Yes. And uh, he jumps off the coach and he's like, oh, there's a woman here in the forest laying down and Marianne's laying there passed out. And he, you know, kind of helps her up and he, uh, you know, wraps her up in a big blanket and he uses some smelling salts to wake her up. And he's like, hey, take it easy. I'm going to help you out here. And, he takes her back to the inn, and here we go, back to the pub again, the inn. Oh, I love yeah. it. Another, another good scene here. <laughs> oh, it really is. And I really like the innkeeper and his wife. They really mm-hmm. are nice people that are trapped in a bad situation. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And again, sets, too. Hammer yes. sets are like no other. They look so authentic, and they had, like, very little budget to do things with. But they were they were really good. They, they had a great deal like whoever their set people were i'm trying to think i remember the one guy was i think it's bernard robinson or i'm sorry is it yeah bernard robinson he was the production design guy um that is just crazy good he was always very good like their sets always looked great but yeah the uh i forgot to mention the uh the innkeepers uh we had uh oh uh, i think it's uh norman pierce and vera cook landlord and landlord's wife so uh, there we go. But yeah, they were both very good. You're right. They were very, very good. Again, not tons of lines and huge parts, but they had their parts at their just at the right time. And they came in and did their thing and got out. And yeah. they were very good, very good for what they were asked to do. I agree. Mm-hmm. So, you know, get her back, Marianne, back to the inn. And, uh, you know, the innkeepers, like you said, they were like, oh, it's so we're so glad to see you and you're that you're OK. And again, that goes back to what do they think was going to happen up there. So. <laughs> We don't even know, but it wasn't something good. I can tell you that. <laughs> it wasn't something the townspeople were keen on. That's that's for no. sure. Par- partying or murder or both. We don't or, know. <laughs> a murder party. <laughs> yeah. So um, he uh, says to the innkeeper, you know, oh, there's uh, the, the, the priest booked a room from here. I'm uh, Dr. Van Helsing. He's like, oh, OK, man. And uh, so that point, you know, things really start to kick into high gear because now mm-hmm. we know. The Baron's a vampire. He's on the loose. He's looking for chicks. He's he's being a vampire. So we do kind of like slowly, slowly get into, uh, you know, kicking into high gear here. And <clears throat> I love <laughs> when Peter Cushing takes Marianne to the school that next day. That is one of, one of my uh. favorite scenes. The, the two school scenes where the two like, you know, school administrators are there. Oh my gosh, those are two of my favorite scenes. So good. Hair Lang and Fra Lang. <laughs> oh my <laughs> gosh. Yeah, they show up and Fra Lang, you know, comes and says, Oh, you're late. And Peter Cushing's like, Oh, yes. And he makes up a story and says that, Oh, she's late because uh, her coach was in an accident. 
Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, okay, well, let's go meet the guy who runs the school, the you know headmaster or whatever you'd call him, uh, uh, Herr Lang. And <laughs> they go in there, and she's like, let me do the talking because he can be a bit terrifying. So they <laughs> they go in, and she's like, Otto, my love. Uh, and she's like, uh, Miss Marianne's here. And he's like, so I heard. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, he's like this grouchy old guy that's like, uh, punctuality is next to cleanliness and he's like ready to rip into her about being a day late and Peter Cushing's like whoa buddy like hold on here this this mm-hmm. couldn't be avoided and he's like and who are you sir and he goes I'm a friend of Miss Danielle's and he goes I've made it a rule sir the staff are allowed no followers <laughs> so no boyfriends <laughs> hanging around here yeah he's like I'm a doctor pal I'm not her boyfriend and he gives him a business card and he's like all of a sudden, as soon as he hands him that business card that says his credentials, it, that's all you need to impress this guy. It could be a fake business card saying you're, right. you know, the president. It's okay. Yeah. He's he all of a sudden is like, oh wow, you went to Leiden University Leiden, and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's awesome. He changes his tune really quick and Cushing and he really reads gives all, it to him. all of his PhDs: Doctor of <laughs> Occultism, Doctor of this. None of those PhDs would get you a job at Denny's today. <laughs> no, that's very impressive at the time. And I also like how. You know, Van Helsing didn't really say anything about not being her boyfriend, but as soon as Herr Lang sees who he is, he's like, oh, you can come and see her anytime. Yeah. (laughs) I thought, wow, (laughs) holy crap. Rich people get to do stuff. Conjugal visits from Ariane here. Like, what? (laughs) Yeah, that's hilarious. Come on, man. uh, Yeah, we also meet Gina, who's another uh, student teacher at the school, and she's you know, going to be uh, Marianne's buddy and get her acclimated to the school and everything that goes on there. And, you know, that's a that's a, a character we're going to see a couple more times here, which is very, very cool to um, go down in Hammer film history. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, she starts getting settled in at the school and then uh, we go back to the inn and uh, the innkeeper is uh, says to Van Helsing, you know, like, oh, there's a, a wake going on in here. Uh, so we're, we're closed right now for business. And uh, it's going on in through the you know, in through that room there. And so he goes and checks it out and there's some like wild garlic flowers all around. And Peter Cushing's like, uh, so what's this all about? And he's like, Oh, it's just a superstition. And he's like, Hmm. You know, maybe it's a, maybe it's a, a good one to have or something like that. He kind of yeah. makes a remark to the innkeeper and, uh, you know, we see the girl there in a coffin and he goes over and uh, says about how did she die? And the innkeeper goes, well, I can't rightly say, but she's dead, all right. And uh, he pulls her hair away from her neck, and we see the uh, the bite marks in her bum, neck. Bum, bum. Uh, so already he's one one night on the loose, and the Baron's already claimed a victim here. Um, and I love how as soon as they see the bite marks, the innkeeper blesses himself, and you can see like he gets this like stone cold look of fear on his face. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, such a good scene. Mm, yeah, and they do make mention about uh, Father Stepnak, about him being away right now. I don't mm-hmm. know where he's at. If he's out creeping around trying to hunt vampires somewhere, or, yeah, or what, what he's said. doing. No, they never say because I mean he does come back, you know, the very next day or a scene or two later. But right then and there, he's not there. So you know, the village, you know, is like, well, the priest's not here. I guess we'll just bury her in the churchyard. Which you know, you know, if you know anything about this kind of lore, like you do not bury. Uh, the people that have been killed by these monsters on uh, hallowed ground. You, you nope. can't do it. Can't yep. do it. <laughs> and he wants them. The priest wants them out. Yeah. He wants her out. Yeah. 
Yeah, he shows up and, uh, you know, uh, meets up with uh, Van Helsing and he's like, oh, thank God you're here. And he, he starts explaining to him about, you know, Cue the music, too, work. by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah. They have this, like, you know, church organ music Thank going God, on. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, like a cathedral. You can be, yes. it's like coming right out of one of those. But I love that scene when, you know, Van Helsing's explaining to him about how vampires work, how they get around, how you can kill them, how he's doing that. Because mm-hmm. there was a scene in the, the 1958 film, you know, Horror of Dracula, where he's, you know, recording his own voice onto. I don't know what kind of a recording machine that would have been back then, like turn of the century. I didn't even know. Yeah. Little, a, one of those um, um, roles, like it's a. Yeah. You know, like Can't even remember what, like a what that machine's called. It's like a tube, maybe. Yeah, and you would speak into it yeah. and it would record your voice. And he's talking, you know, I don't you know, to pass on to future generations of vampire hunters, maybe even Blade down the line, you know, whoever. <laughs> He's he's recording about, you know, how what these vampires can do, what they're all about, how to kill them. And I like how they kind of revisit that again with these, you know, basically telling the priests like this is what we need to do. This is how we need to get rid of them. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And then the priest, yeah, he goes off the deep end when he finds out that they <laughs> buried the, the girl in the uh, hallowed ground. He's like, you know, we got to get her out yeah. of there. We can't leave her there. And uh, later that night, you know, Cushing's like, all right, pal, we're going to go see what happens tonight at her grave. And that's when we see. uh Greta again, but she looks a lot different than she did in the Chateau, doesn't she? Son, 
She definitely does. She's uh, and and that kind of leads me to again, you know, what what Greta was doing, you know, when she was laughing and upset. It's like she's had a break, and I think she's been controlled by Baron Meinster on, on a certain level. You know, she's just his kind of Renfield in a certain way. Yeah. And uh, now she realizes she's got to start killing people and doing horrible stuff again. So she's she's on Team Meinster at this point. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, yeah. She's she's all on that team for sure. And she's uh, at a grave. And this is creepy. So she's at the grave of that girl that was just killed. And she's talking to her. But you cannot hear a sound coming from like there's no return in the in the voice. You don't hear someone speaking to her. You just hear her speaking. She's what is she saying? Like, come on, little one, you can do it. You You've got to dig. You've got to dig. I can't help you. No, you got to yeah. do it yourself. <laughs> I didn't know that was a rule. You have to I do it either. yourself. <laughs> a lot so. to follow. A lot to keep track of as a vampire. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, little rules and regulations here. You need to write them all down. <laughs> Record them on a recording device like <laughs> Cushing did. But she, she eventually starts popping out. And again, we have Cushing. He's watching. And I don't know that you can see the priest from that scene until... Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, she kind of comes out of the grave, and you hear him say, stop. And he goes booking over there, and the vampire girl runs away, and Cushing takes off after her, and he grabs Greta. And she's like, what does she say? Ah, let me go, or I'll claw your eyes out. Or yeah, something, something like that. She says to him, and the priest is like, oh, go chase after the vampire you know, girl and the bride. And Cushing goes after her. But he turns a corner, and she's nowhere to be found. And then we see a giant bat come swooping in uh, after yeah. uh, Van Helsing. I love that scene. And again, it's 1960. So does it look like the greatest bat in the world? No, especially yep. not by today's standards. But for mm-hmm. back then, it looked pretty cool. I enjoyed that scene. Yeah, the one thing that I thought was funny was that, um, you know, Van Helsing has this bag full of what I presume are, you know, anti-vampire devices and, you know, crosses <laughs> and various things. And he swings the bag at the bat. He chucks it at it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Get it together, well, man. <laughs> and then at one point, too, like, he, like I say, he chucks the bag at it, and you think, okay, now what are you going to do? But uh, the cross came out of the bag, and it's laying there in the ground. So I don't know. I guess maybe the bat saw that. And, took off. Uh, yeah, took off, you know, headed for the hills. And that's really cool. I love that scene. That's really awesome. But, after, yeah, so then after that, we, uh, we, we flip back to the school. And, <laughs> again, here we are. So uh, – uh, Mary Ann's up in her room and uh, 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 the innkeeper, or I'm sorry, the uh, headmaster's wife, uh, Frau Lang, she's like, well, honey, he's here. And she's like, who's here? Come on down. And she takes her downstairs and says, here he is. And the Baron's at the school. Mm-hmm. So he's got his sights set on Mary Ann, plus whoever else he can snack on in the meantime. But he's he's still got a thing for Mary Ann. And I love Frau Lang. She's like, okay, now I'm going to leave you alone for 10 minutes. Entirely to themselves. Yeah. Entirely (laughs) to yourselves for 10 minutes. So I'm thinking to myself, so uh, what's that say about Herr Lang? He's he's, he's less than a 10-minute guy. That's all he's got. Yeah. I feel feel bad for Frau Lang. (laughs) 10 minutes is all he's got ever. Poor lady. (laughs) But she has her ear to the door, by the way, yeah. which is kind of <laughs> creepy, too. Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> her ear to the door and she's got her fingers like he he he. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Hair Lang shows up and goes, what are you doing? And she goes, keeping an eye on things. And he's like, keeping an eye on what? And she's like, a pair of turtle doves. And he goes, what do you mean? And she's like, 
Marianne and a young man. And he goes, what? And this is my favorite scene of the whole movie. He goes busting in there and there's the Baron. And it looks like he's ready to put the bite on Marianne. And Frau Lang says, what are you doing? Stop. And he goes, and he looks at Marianne and goes, what are you doing? You shameless little hussy. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think of that scene? I love it. Uh. This whole and the turnaround when, you know, the when the Baron tells him, you know, what's going to happen, uh, just like and his whole demeanor changes. Yeah. The acting in this movie is so good. Yeah. You shameless little hussy. And then uh, the Baron's Ooh. like, you know, hey, he's like, well, how did you get in here? And he goes, I was placed here by a most lovely woman, your wife. And he goes, don't be impertinent with me. Mm-hmm. Or, you'll, or you'll be thrown out of that window head first. And he's like, oh, it's a, that'll be an interesting way, way to make my acquaintance. I've always wanted to meet you, a long and valued tenant. And he goes, yeah, I'm no I'm tenant of tenant. yours, you, you, you young jackass. <laughs> I'm a tenant of the Meister <laughs> estate. And the whole time the wife's trying to be like, dude, that's it. That's the guy. And he won't have it. So and much going on. I am the Baron Meister. And that's when he's like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Baron does make a comment, too, and say, oh, I'd like to thank you on having such a lovely school at such mm-hmm. lower rent. <laughs> like, uh-oh. So <laughs> guess what, pal? The rent's going up. You just call him a jackass. Yeah. The rent's going to be doubled. <laughs> But they an- yeah, and then they announced the uh, the engagement. He's like, uh, uh, "We're gonna we're engaged to be married." And oh, this is great! And I'm thinking she knows this dude for all of two days. Like, yeah. what? Yeah. They're engaged already? Yeah. You know, it happens. <laughs> Holy smokes! But he's like, "Oh, can you let her stay at the school here while I make all the arrangements?" And he does also mention about uh, I forgot to say that uh, Frau Lang says, uh, "Oh, and your mother?" And he's like, uh, "I regret to inform you, she has died." And Marianne kind of looks away because they do play a little bit that from the trauma of what happened that night, Marianne is still a little hazy on the events. I don't know if she's got, you know, like, I don't like a low level PTSD or something. I don't know what you'd call it, but she's still kind of not remembering all the events that went on. But that kind of seems to spark something in her like, oh, wait a minute. I saw her dead. So that's an interesting part there. I do like that again. Like you said, just these little things with emotions and uh, their facial expressions and stuff like that. That's one little thing, but that, that really tells a lot right there. Yeah, for sure. Mm, So (laughs) yeah, great scene there, but uh, yeah. So, okay. After that, then though, we get, uh, so (laughs) uh, Gina then and Marianne are up in Marianne's room and they're uh, toasting some bread and talking about how great it's going to be when she's going to be a baroness because she's marrying this good looking guy and he's a baron and he's got a chateau and then they burn the toast. So that's what did this whole thing in. So, you know, Gina can blame herself for burning the toast because Marianne's like, oh, I'll go get some more toast. Yeah. And she goes downstairs. And when she's downstairs, we hear the uh, the flapping of the bat wings and enter Baron Meister. Baron Meister. Mm-hmm. Organ music starts. Oh, yeah. Really kicks in here. That's another one. Again, impeccable timing with the music. Yes. It, it really kicks in. That's a good scene, too. And Gina, and I do love with a good mirror scene. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that Empires is fantastic. in the mirror are less invisible than they appear. <laughs> yeah, G- Gina hears this flapping. And she's like, what the heck was that? So she goes over and shuts the window. She goes back down and sits at her like little, uh, I don't know what you'd call that, like almost like a little makeup table or something like that. Or I don't know if it's hers or Marianne's, whatever. But she looks, she thinks she hears something. And she looks in the mirror. And you can see behind her that there's nothing there. So she's like, huh. Then all of a sudden she slowly turns around and then 
boom, you know, the music, you know, boom, kicks in and there's the Baron. And he, you know, puts the trance on her with the, you know, bloodshot eyeballs and she comes closer and he peels back her nightgown and wham, right on the neck. And oh that's it for Gina. You said she wanted to be a Baroness. Uh-huh. Yeah, she She's was like, gonna, I might fall in love with him, too. Well, she just yeah. did the ultimate, the ultimate way. <laughs> Renfield style. Yep. So that Gina's uh, off the off the plate there. So again, back to the pub, though. Again, another great pub scene. And here yeah. and enter Miles Mallison's character, <laughs> Dr. Tobler. So what did you think of him in that scene there? He's just so funny. I mean, just, you know, he's he's kind of a hypochondriac so he's and being a doctor he's always thinking about symptoms right he's got what mm -hmm. you know they would call today is you know you know freshman doctor disease where every disease he's ever heard of he's like, oh maybe i have that so he's going into his you know his his um uh, medicines or whatever they are herbs and he's saying oh i should have a little bit of digitalis for this and he takes it and then he takes a drink <laughs> and then he goes, oh, and I need a little bit of this for this possible thing I might have. And he takes a drink and he's basically just drinking and, you know, eating <laughs> herbs and stuff as an excuse. Yeah, he's mixing booze and drugs, which is never yeah. a good idea. And then he goes over it's to the 60s. Little yeah, did he, they goes, know. he goes over and starts beating up on the priest. He's like, <laughs> oh, with these villagers and their crazy customs. And, you know, they're afraid of this and afraid of that. And you priests with your monolithic views on everything. <laughs> I'm like, geez, the guy's sitting there eating his soup. Let him have his soup. <laughs> yeah, leave the guy alone. But he's still popping pills and drinking potions and, and <laughs> boozing his head off. And it's like, oh, look at this crazy man. But I, I forgot to mention, too, that scene actually starts out with him. He has the woman, the, the innkeeper's wife, bring out this boiling pot of water. And there's all this steam coming off of it. And he wants her to hold a towel over his head and like push his head as far down, like not to the scalding water, but far enough down that all of it's going up in there. And I'll clean it out maybe as a head cold or something. But he's like, now listen, lady, no matter what I say or do, don't even listen to me. She's like, okay. So she pushes his head down there with the towel over. And he's like, oh, ah, let me out. I'm going to die. I can't breathe. So she lets go of him. And he's like, what the devil woman? I told you not to listen to anything I say. All right, Young let's give it another. Yeah, he's like, let's give it another go. And she's like, get out of here. I have my living to earn. And she just walks away. And then that's when he went over at the priest. But yeah, oh, hilarious scene. Hilarious guy. So funny. Then they, you know, make mention of uh, a death at the school. Mm -hmm. And in walks Van Helsing. And of course, his ear perks up when he hears there was a death at the school. And he comes over and says, a staff or, you know, uh, one of the young girls. And he's like, I don't know. And the priest says to Dr. Tobler, well, you should take Dr. Van Helsing with you. He's one of the most eminent medical men in Europe. And he's like, would you come for free? And Van Helsing says, of course. And I love how he says, oh, maybe I'll put your little specialist fee on my bill. How about that? And he's like, sure, why not? <laughs> he's like, yeah, I don't care. Whatever. Obviously, Van Helsing isn't in this to get rich. You know, you know. No. But uh, Tobler needs his uh, wine cellar restocked, I'm sure. So <laughs> Definitely. He needs some more money. So the two of them go visit the school. And, uh, you know, we find out that it's Gina. Obviously, we knew that, that, you know, uh, died. And they uh, take a look at her neck and they see the bite marks there. And I love the back and forth between Van Helsing and Tobler, how Tobler just kind of blows it off. Like, oh, it must have been a cat or a dog. They, these These common villagers, they fondle their pets. We can't stop them. And Van Helsing's like, that's a vampire's bite, the seal of Dracula. And he's like, what, a vampire? I laugh at those kind of things. And Van Helsing's like, you shouldn't. And uh, I like that scene quite a bit. And then, of course, he goes right for the booze. 
yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good one. And, you know, they say to the, you know, the people running the school there, uh, Hare Lang and his wife, that it's, oh, she died of a fever and take her down to the stables and uh, keep two people watching over her and then keep at least two people in every room and, you know, all these precautions so that, you know, uh, basically he's telling them to be aware of a vampire without telling them that it's a vampire. Right. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, 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 we'll do that right away. And, you know, then uh, we we do switch to later that night in the stables. And uh, I, I eventually Marianne comes down. I think Frau Lang's down there with the, uh, I'm not sure what you'd call that guy that takes care of the horses and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Stable, stable hand or stable boss or whatever. Yeah, yeah, they're down there. Marianne comes down and uh, relieves Frau Lang and says, oh, you go up to the house. You know, you're an old lady. I'll stay down here. And, you know, they start talking, the two of them amongst themselves. And I love this scene. You and I talked about it a little bit briefly already where they're just they're in the middle of a conversation and there's two padlocks on. I guess this was part of, you know, Dr. Van Helsing's instructions, you know, the to padlock, uh, you know, the the body of Gina inside the uh, coffin. And one of the padlocks just drops off. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love this. How about that scene? It's really cool. The padlock drops off, but it's been locked. It's still locked. So they're like, how did it fall off? And then, uh, you know what's coming. You know what's coming. And they're just all quizzical. Hmm, this is a heck of a thing, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here we oh, come. Oh, yeah. One of the great vampire reveals in all of history. Yeah, we see the other lock fall. Well, it, the first lock falls off, and Marianne gets a little jumpy, and she says to the stable hand guy, hey, can you go get Herr Lang? And he's like, well, he'll be kind of pissed off about it, being this late or whatever, but I'll go get him if you want me to. And she's like, yes, can you please go get him? He walks outside. He's, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 feet from the stables. And again, we hear the flapping of the bat, and you look up in the sky, and you see a bat. And I, it's kind of, I don't want to use the word cheesy of an effect, but the guy just looks up in the sky and the bat, you don't see it attack the guy, but obviously it's very close to him or we're supposed to, you know, think, hey, it's right on top of him. And he just goes, ah, and boom, he hits the ground. And immediately the scene switches back to inside the stables and the other lock pops off. And then, wow, Gina sits up in the coffin. And that is such a great scene. So great. She looks fantastic. That's Andre Melee. She looks, mm. she is such a cool looking vampire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cute, very sexy. But when her fangs pop out, oh, that looks so great. I love so, it. She's got like a very broad face, like in a kind of a long mouth and those fangs coming over. Oh, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Excellent, excellent scene. So obviously at this point, Marianne probably crapped her pants because yeah. she's just like, what is going on? Thankfully for her. Before anything really crazy can go down, Van Helsing comes flying in. And that scares off the vampiress, the bride of Dracula. So she takes off out of there. And then I did, I think I forgot to mention too, or was it right around this same scene too, where, yeah, I guess it was right around here too, where uh, Van Helsing says to Marianne, like, hey, you know, all these girls that keep, you know, dying and this craziness that's going on is ever since you were up at the castle you know, and met the Baron and all this jazz. Cause she did eventually tell Cushing when he was there with uh, Dr. Tobler mm-hmm. uh, that she was engaged to be married. And he said, Oh, can I know, uh, know who the lucky man is? 
And she said, the Baron Meinster. And of course it's dun, 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 like yep. what? And he's like, he was here. And she's like, yeah. And he's like, did he kiss you? Please tell me. And she's like, only on my hand. And he looks at her hands and she's like, why are you looking at my hands? And he's like, when are you going to see him again? And she's like, I don't know, maybe tomorrow. So that's when right away it clicks with uh, Van Helsing. He knows it's he's targeting Marianne. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. So after that, he says to Marianne, hey, look, you know, where is this guy hiding out at? And she knows because Gina then did mention to her like, oh, let's go up with the Baron. He's looking for me and you. And he's up at the old mill. So she tells Cushing this. And when I first saw this movie, I could not believe what happened when Cushing or Van Helsing, I should say, when he goes up to this mill. So, of course, the two brides of Dracula are there, you know, Gina and the uh, the girl from the village. Mm -hmm. And Greta's there, too. And I just this blew my mind. You know, they try to attack him. He pulls out that big giant silver cross. Of course, mm -hmm. the, vamp the vampires move back because they're afraid of it. Greta attacks him. And she gets a hold of the cross, but she falls off of this landing up on the second floor and she's dead because it's yeah. it's you know, it's not a crazy huge fall, but it's a good enough fall that she falls right on these like floorboards. So she's dead. Right. And then Van Helsing runs down to try to get his because you know, he realizes, hey, he's going to have to fight off two female vampires. And then what if the Baron Meinster shows up? That'd be three on one. He'd be in some trouble. So he goes down and tries to grab the cross it falls down beneath some broken floorboards and ba-boom in the door comes the Baron Meinster. Yep. Oh, this, but what happens here, Jerry? This is crazy. I couldn't believe this when I was a kid. Yeah, this is, this is quite a, quite a, you know, here's your, your main bad guy and your main good guy and they're facing off and this is where it all happens. And, uh, yeah, there's some craziness. Um, <laughs> Van Helsing, something happens to him that you don't usually see in most, uh, most movies. Yeah, this he, blew my mind. Yeah. yeah. He I gets bit. Yeah. You, you, Christopher Lee couldn't do it. And he's nope. a big, scary, imposing dude. Yeah. Not one time did he ever put the bite on uh, Van Helsing. But nope. It, it, he's uh, he's up against it. with, And this is why I like, you know, again, yeah. I, I think David Peel did a really good job here. He really does look scary. And he's got this chain and he's swinging around. Yeah. And, you know, they have like a little bit chain of a fight. Fight. Yeah, they have a little bit of a fight, but he eventually gets Kush, uh, Van Helsing up against a post and mm -hmm. wraps a chain around his neck and chokes him unconscious and then puts the cape up that you can't really see what's going on. But, you know, he bites him right then and there. And <sighs> the next thing we know, we see Van Helsing wake up and he realizes he's been bitten. Now, I don't know up until this point, And I had never heard about how if you have been bitten, how you can uh, like kind of reverse that. But this process is uh, pretty interesting here. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, definitely. The red hot poker method, apparently. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, he scalds it off on his neck. He gets a red hot poker onto his neck and then douses it with uh, holy water. Yeah, he brought, uh, I guess I forgot to mention that too. Sorry. A little tiny little you know, plot point here. The uh, priest had given him this, uh, I don't know what you'd call this thing, but it, it looks like almost Canteen. like a... Yeah, with this like spout on it, and it's filled with holy water. And he gave it to uh, Van Helsing to say, like, "Hey, go use this on him, pal." Yep. And uh, he, yeah, he drops drops you know some on his neck, and that uh, makes the bike go away, and he's good to go. Right. But before he can have two seconds to think about it, uh, in the meantime, the Baron went to the school 
and snatched Marianne and brought her back to the mill, the old windmill. And he walks in the door and says, you know, hey, uh, guess who's going to join us in being a vampire? And he goes to put the bite on Marianne, but Cushing gets him with the holy water and burns his face up. And I thought that was pretty good makeup there. What did you think? Yeah, I, I did too. Definitely. Uh, I thought it was, it, it worked. This whole sequence worked for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, so he, you know, douses it with the holy water and his face looks all like burnt up, which, you know, that's like the flesh has burned right off his face and he gets pissed and kicks over like this little, I don't know what you'd call that, but almost like this little, uh, a brazier charcoal. or something. Yeah, yeah. Brazier, like, like, you know, charcoal kind of brazier type thing. And it, it lights the whole place on fire. So, <laughs> Cushing, uh, I'm sorry, Van Helsing, he and Marianne kind of got caught on the inside of it. So they run upstairs, and the Baron's like, I'm just going to get out of here right out the front door. And he goes running out the front, but he's still a little woozy from the holy water. And then we see Cushing, his, uh, I keep saying Cushing, but Van Helsing, uh, (laughs) he uh, finds an, an entrance, or I'm sorry, an exit up top, and he sees, you know, it's an old windmill. So he jumps on, like, full on, like, you know, Tarzan jumps off of the ledge and jumps onto the windmill and turns the windmill. So it kind of makes the shape of a cross. And the moon then, is behind it. Yeah, the moon is behind it. And, you know, the, the shadow of it, you know, hits uh, the Baron Meinster. And uh, that's it. Puts him out for the count. Yep. That's that. Movie yeah. over. Run yep, credits. <laughs> yep, roll credits. And okay, so when we talked about a lot of rewrites for this movie, so originally this movie had a different name and it did have a different ending for sure. I think there were some other parts, you know, that were different too, but it definitely had a different ending. So the ending originally was supposed to be that Van Helsing was going to use some kind of black magic or something like that to summon a bunch of bats. And these bats were going to attack and kill the vampire. And Cushing said, listen, Van Helsing is like a doctor. And, you know, he's using all these holy things. He would never do that. He's not mm-hmm. going to do that. So that's how then they switched the ending to this. But you know and I know there's another uh, Hammer vampire flick. It doesn't fall under the, uh, you know, Van Helsing Dracula films. Uh, but uh, Kiss of the Vampire ends up using this uh, uh-huh. ending. Yeah, yeah. I think that was maybe about three years later, 1963. Was that they, Yeah, I think so, that they used that ending uh, at the end of that movie. That's a crazy movie. It's not a favorite of mine, but I watch it from time to time, and it's it's it doesn't really have a driving force behind it. Like, yeah. you know, the, the guy that's the head vampire, to me, he's not the strongest character, and then the guy that's like the Van Helsing stand-in, I can't remember what they call him. He's like this old drunk alcoholic guy, but he knows how to fight vampires. But those two, you know, main characters aren't super strong. Like neither one of them really is. So I don't really love that movie, but I, I give it a watch every once in a while. But that's how that movie ends with all these swarms of vampire bats coming in and killing vampires. Why they would do that, I don't know. I guess right. it's some kind of spell or something like that. But that was originally supposed to be the ending to this one. But then here, you know, with the, with this ending, you have the cross from the mill. Is is like our Vampires afraid of anything that is a cross like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that. that It's a bit of a reach. Yeah. This this ending, I feel like with how many rewrites and stuff there were, I feel like, you know, that was kind of something that maybe came in at the last minute, like they had everything they wanted to do with all their changes, but they still didn't, you know, have an ending. And that's the best they came up with on the fly. Which, again, it's not terrible or anything like that. And I think it actually does work a little bit better than the original one. 
Um, but I just think, you know, it, it's it's not as good of an ending, uh, yeah. a vampire slaying as you know, a lot of the uh, a lot of the other films for sure. And I, I think it might have been a little better had then Van um, Van Helsing got down and staked him. Like so, maybe the cross just paralyzed him. But they don't. I don't. You don't see a staking or anything. You're just. He's got a cross on him. Van Helsing goes and stands next to him, and mm-hmm. then the credits. So I, I think I would have liked at least. I could have. I think believed that this cross paralyzed him, or you know, frightened him, or something, so that Van Helsing could then kill him. Mm-hmm. But no, that's not what happens. It's just the cross and vampire dead. So eh, a little weak, a little weak, I think. Yeah, not one of the better endings uh, for sure. But it's, you know, it's again, you get Cushing, who is great. He is fantastic in the movie. Like we said, the pub scenes, the school scenes. This is really one of their top notch films. You know, it's a, a Bray Studios and the Black Park, Oakley Court, all the locations, you know, everything is here for all of those really, really good, you know, top notch hammer films. It's all here. Everything you want to see in this movie is here. Like, you know, like we said, sometimes people complain a little bit because there's no Christopher Lee. Um, and I don't know with this way the script was and all the other players in the movie. I think I think David Peel did a good job here. I think he was the right person for oh, yeah. this one. Yeah, I, I am, I'm perfectly happy with him. I mean, I get it. He's not terrifying. He's not Bela Lugosi. He's not Christopher Lee. He's not. Mm-hmm. It, but that's not the character. This You have to believe that he was a libertine back when he was alive, right? And he's like, oh, yes. you know. And totally, David Peel nails that. I mean, I completely believe him in this Baron Meinster role. So that's all I asked for, you know, and it delivers. What I wanted to know is what happens to the other two vampire women? I know they were in the burning mill, mm-hmm. but do they die? We don't see it. I, they, we may have a uh, sequel in our hand. Yeah, I don't, maybe they're still running around. Maybe they got burned up. They do leave that very ambiguous. Um, mm-hmm. And you know how some movies, too, if you kill the head vampire guy, the other people revert back to human. Is that yeah. how it works here? I, I don't know. Don't there, know. There, was, there was definitely some... As good as this film is and how much I love it, there were definitely a couple of missed opportunities here with the ending. And then, like I said, the loose end of the the two brides, too, there Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for sure. One thing I always find interesting about this movie is, you know, when I watch a movie and most movies or TV shows, right, they have this definite three act structure where you can say, you know, you get introduced to some characters and then something happens and it's like the inciting incident. And that's the end of act one. And then act two starts and shenanigans happen. And then, you know, at the start of Act three, 3 is usually the, you know, race to kill the vampire, if it's a vampire mm-hmm. movie. I yeah. don't think this movie has a three-act structure. Like, where would you, you know, does Act 1 end when Marianne goes off with the Baroness? But that's pretty early in the movie. Was mm-hmm. it when Meinster is freed or when Van Helsing arrives? But that's really late for, for an Act 1 ending, you know? I think this is just... This just tumbles. It, it grabs you at the beginning and you just tumble along with it. And <laughs> there's so much happens. You don't have a minute to get bored or distracted or you're just it's just a really good movie with a whole bunch of really good scenes one after another. Yeah, I mean, I could see somebody saying, oh, you know, when Marianne wakes up in the forest and Cushing, mm-hmm. you know, his his entrance, I could see that as the beginning of like a second act. But mm-hmm. there's no, I, I don't see where a, a, a cutoff 
point or a beginning point is for another one. It's just no. there's it's not there. So it's almost yeah. like a, you know, just two halves of a movie or like a one third and a two thirds. And that's mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And it works. You know, it's mm-hmm. where, you know, the writing is for as many, um, you know, revisions and whatnot that this went through. And yeah, it has a weak ending, maybe. But, you know, it really works. These people knew how to put together a story. Yeah, for sure. Like you said, even it's another 30 seconds and he goes down and stakes him when he's in his death throes there yeah. from the from the windmill cross. That would have been some finality. And then even maybe hearing just the brides screaming, getting yeah. burned up. Yeah. It's just those couple of tiny little things probably would have, you know, put this one really over the top as, you know, being just that much better, even though it was already great. Yeah, I agree. But I yeah, very minor tweaks that I would make to this movie, you know, what's it, 40, 50, 60, 62 years later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow, really, wow, imagine that. And to me, 62 years old, and it's yeah. still a very good movie. It stands the test of time for anybody that's a horror fan, especially yeah. classic horror fan that's been, you know, a, a fan of horror for a long time. Maybe a lot of newer fans because of, you know, technology and things like that wouldn't be as impressed with it. But anybody that can appreciate uh, you know, the classic era of horror for sure here, fresh, especially for Hammer, you know, 50s, late 50s into like 1970. This is this is great. Yeah, it is. Definitely. All right. Well, anything else on this one? What else? Anything else you got? The only other the only other note I had is that um, Van Helsing several times referred to the cult of Dracula or the cult of the undead or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he likened the spread of vampirism to like, you know, the spread of a cult. It spreads slowly one person at a time. And that was I'm, you know, I, I'm trying to think if I've heard that in Hammer movies or other vampire movies at the time before. I don't think I have. Mm, no, I don't think so either. Because I think, isn't that when he's in the coach with Marianne and he's taking her up to the school mm-hmm. and he says, I've, I'm coming here to, to do a study on, he doesn't say a disease, but what does yeah. he call it? He calls it something like that. Yeah. Like some kind yeah, of affliction I'm, or something affliction, like that. Affliction, I think he uses, yeah. Yeah, and she's like, like what? And he goes, oh, part spiritual and yes. part physical. Yes, yeah. And he says, that's what he says about the cult of the undead. Have you ever heard of the cult of the undead? And she's yeah. like, no, never heard of it. <laughs> and he's very like, he doesn't want to get into the specifics with her. But uh, yeah, that's a very interesting scene too, because I don't think they've ever used that terminology in any other Hammer film, especially when they were discussing you know, vampires. I don't think so. Yeah, not to my knowledge, but uh, maybe somebody listening will know another time that that happened. Yeah, definitely reach out. I mean, I could see I'm not as huge on the post 1970s. Mm-hmm. So so there there could be something, you know, because they right, still yeah. made what three more, two or three more, you know, Lee and Cushing vampire films afterwards. Yeah. So they, there could be something in there that I'm not aware of because I've literally only seen those a couple of times each because they're just. I don't know. They're just not my thing. I feel like after about 68, 69, somewhere in there, 69, maybe Hammer started to kind of, you know, the trends in the, the horror movies were changing. Once the 70s yeah. came around, it was a lot more gore. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, things like The Exorcist and stuff come along. You really couldn't keep doing the same things. But those things they had been doing are why I love Hammer. So I kind of check out a little bit after, you know, Twins of Evil is kind of like the tipping point oh, for me. Okay. I love pushing. Yeah, I love I love Cushing in that film, but mm-hmm. kind of from there on, I'm just kind of like very like lukewarm about yeah. most of the Hammer films. I don't know. It's just that's just me. 
<laughs> well, I, I know in, um, you know, he played in Twins of Evil, he plays a very different character. And I really oh, like yeah. that. Really yeah. like that. In the thing, I have a soft spot for AD 1972. And mm -hmm. the reason is, is because I saw, I forget which which of his Frankenstein movies. And I had saw, I had seen it just before I watched AD 72. Mm -hmm. And I was able to directly compare his, you know, Dr. Frankenstein and his Van Helsing, as, at least, you know, in AD 72. He's kind of an older, older at this point, so a little more sedate. Mm -hmm. But but the two, it, it's like two different people, you know? Yeah. Dr. Frankenstein and Van Helsing are completely different. And he sells them both effortlessly. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's, so I think it was watching AD 72 is when I realized what a good actor uh, Peter Cushing is. Yeah, he's top notch. I, I don't I don't think people realized how great he was while he was, you know, still alive, which is kind of sad. I mean, I think he did have, you know, plenty of friends and family and, you know, admirers and things like that. But I think he, he is his legend has grown mm. way bigger than uh, it ever was while he was living. I think you're right. Yeah, for sure. So. All right. Well. That wraps this one up. So four thumbs up, two for me and two for you on this one. Anybody that Absolutely. maybe has not seen this film, get out and see this film. You got it. Or if you haven't seen it in a while, give it a rewatch because it's, you know, it's to be found here and there. So definitely give this one a watch. It's, it's awesome. You know, Peter yeah. Cushing alone is the man, but all right. So why don't we transition now into what you have going on? So as of this recording, uh, you and your buddy Chris have just had your 200th episode of the Professor Frenzy show. So why don't you talk about that for a minute? You bet. Uh, we do, uh, me and Chris, um, do a podcast called the Professor Frenzy show. And it's about indie comics. And we do a lot of horror comics, a lot of, you know, indie superheroes, sci-fi, fantasy, all kinds of stuff. Um, yeah, 200 episodes. So it's a weekly show. Um, come by. We just kind of redid the whole kind of format. We added some new music. Uh, I, it was a lot of fun to do, and we have a blast doing it. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Professor Frenzy and Chris uh, at BTO and Bat Books. So that's that's what we're up to. Always always causing trouble. Oh um, yeah. And we're doing some um, you, uh, videos now. We're we're taking doing some spotlight videos on certain select comics that we really Ooh. like. And cool. we're putting them up on YouTube and they're, they're short, they're minute long. They're uh, on YouTube shorts and they're also on TikTok, and, um, getting really, really good response on TikTok for them. So, um, we've just been doing them for a couple of weeks. I think we're going to keep going cause it's really working for us. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you guys, your show, it's every Wednesday morning, probably mm -hmm. about what? Eight, nine AM Eastern time. It pops Drops off six o'clock AM. Wow. Time. Okay. Yeah. I didn't realize it was that early, yeah. but yeah. So every Wednesday morning it's, it's one that pops up and yeah, you guys, you're doing, you know, some great work here because yeah. a lot of these indie creators, you know what I mean? Like there, there's some of those people are putting out really good stuff, but they're starving for a voice, yeah. you know, because there's so much that comes out just between the big two companies. Yeah. It kind of drowns out the smaller guys. And it's a shame because there's some really good stuff out there. Like today's, you know, like 200th episode, uh, just the name alone has me intrigued. Bloodstained teeth. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> yeah. That sounded great. When you guys were talking about, I'm like, Oh man, I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah. There's some really great, obviously, you know, image comics is, is great, but you know, we also do a lot of Ahoy vault, 
Scout, you know, really, really great um, other publishers that are out there that are doing um, terrific, uh, terrific work. And even uh, for horror, if you're a horror fan, Boom Studios is doing terrific horror horror stuff. Something is killing the children. It's great stuff. So yeah, I've heard and you guys mention Aftershock too. Aftershock is doing great stuff too. So. Oh yeah, yeah. I've heard you guys mention them a couple of times, and but yeah, that 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 name jumped out to me in that comic. I'm like, that's a that's a good name for a horror comic right there. <laughs> if, if nothing else, they got that right for sure. But yeah, that sounded really good when you guys talked about it today. But yeah, you and Chris doing great work over there, and really enjoy your show, man. Love it. Thank you, and I've always loved uh, your work too. Um, loved what you were doing with Herman, and uh, you know, just just love love listening to you talking about movies and comic books all the time, Billy. Yeah, I love it, man. It's just, it, there just needs to be more hours in the day and I just need to be able to make a living podcasting, right? That's the problem. Yeah, once you solve that, it's all uphill. Downhill? Mm-hmm. Hill. <laughs> it's going to be a lot easier. That's all I know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's uphill or downhill, <laughs> but it'll be a lot easier. But All right. Well, Jerry, thank you for being on, man. This was great. You know, hey, maybe down the road we can uh, hook up for another uh, Hammer movie. You know, they have a pretty big catalog. Yeah, I think they have another movie or two, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Yeah, they made three or four, I think. So <laughs> we'll definitely have to get our heads together here. But yes, again, thank you for being on, man. I greatly appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. All right. Well, I'm going to take a quick break here and uh, play a promo and then be back to wrap up the show in a minute. <laughs> Oh yeah, I heard a podcast I think you all should know If you like indie comics Professor Frenzy Show Professor Frenzy Show oh, oh. Professor Frenzy Show Professor Frenzy Show everybody that wraps up this episode of the show once again i want to thank jerry for being on great guy and definitely tune into the professor frenzy show him and chris uh spotlighting those indie comics you know there's you know a lot of podcasts out there that talk about the mainstream guys and that's cool too but you know there's there's got to be some love out there for the indie people you know because they've uh, obviously have a lot bigger challenges than uh, these big giant corporations putting out comics so you know it's really a labor of love a lot of times for these people and you know, they're, they're, they're still holding down regular jobs while they're trying to make a, you know, a dream come true and get some comics out there. So definitely listen to the Professor Frenzy Show. That's every Wednesday morning, 6 a.m. Eastern time that drops on uh, Apple Podcasts and the like. So definitely uh, give them a listen. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. See ya.